Love it. Now, here's the thing. Today, we're kicking off this series called My Big Fat Mouth, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, and I mean this, I'm anxious because my big fat mouth gets me in trouble a lot. In fact, if I'm in trouble, I've been keeping tabs, it's strictly because of my mouth, because of something dumb that I say. And so I'm guessing that I'm not the only one in here that feels that way. So that for the next few weeks, we're going to be spending some time to see what God has to say about the importance of the words that we choose and how we use them. And we're going to talk about things like gossip or having a critical spirit or those words that you don't want your kids to repeat. All of that stuff we're going to talk about the next several weeks. And it's really tempting to think about the person that you know that you wish was here to hear it, right? Like maybe you work with someone that gossips about everyone all the time and they're always coming to you with a new dish, right? And you're thinking, oh, I got to invite them to that week. Or maybe you've got a spouse or a friend that is overly critical about everyone and everything in existence, right? We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Or maybe you have a neighbor or a neighbor friend and you've been looking for a reason to, to invite them to church. Well, in a couple weeks, you can invite them because we're going to talk about all those words that they're teaching your kids that you don't want them to repeat, right? So we're going to talk about all, all of those things, and we're going to jump into this together. But maybe the, the, the best summary from Scripture of what God has to say about the importance of our words comes from Proverbs 18.21, that says this, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In other words, kids, if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, jot this down. Our words can give life or our words can take life. They can give life or they can take life. They can be as dangerous as poison or as sweet as fruit. And here's what's crazy about that. Who gets to determine that? We do. As the person that's sharing the words, we determine if they're poisonous or if they're sweet. Now, today's a special day. Daniel and Naomi talked about it. It's Father's Day and it's Family Service Day. And so we want to start this series off by talking about something that dads and kids uh, struggle with, and that's complaining, right? Is there any complaining going on in the house now that it's summer break, right? Okay, does anybody lie often in your house, right? We have lots of complaining going on at our house right now. And, And parenting can be tough. Kids, I just want to let you know, parenting's, it's not as easy as you think it is. Now, that wouldn't be funny if it weren't true, right? And it's just easy. We laugh, but all he's doing is complaining. It's just easy to laugh about everyday life stuff. Let me give you an example. How many of you remember when it was bitterly cold in the middle of winter, right? How many of you said, it's so cold, I just wish it would get hot? How many of you went outside today and said, oh my goodness, it's so hot, I just wish it were winter again, right? We, it's so easy for us to want to complain about the simple things in our life. And parents, it's just easy to complain when your kids are driving you crazy or keeping you up all hours of the night. And it's easy to complain when your spouse is being selfish again, right? And kids, it's easy to complain when your parents aren't being fair, your siblings are mistreating you. It's easy to complain when our friends don't treat us right or when our boss is being ridiculous and our coworkers are being lazy or our neighbors are being annoying. It's just easy to complain. And I don't know about you, moment of confession, I don't have to look far or try hard to find the next thing that I'm going to complain about. It just comes second nature to me. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but there's actually a great example of complaining in Scripture. There's this people in the Old Testament named the Israelites. And if you're not familiar with the Israelites, here's their deal. They were in slavery to the Egyptians for several hundred years. Imagine if your family was enslaved for several hundred years. That would be terrible. And you would pray, God, get us out of here, deliver us. Well, God heard their prayers, 
and he raised up a leader, another Israelite named Moses. But here's what's really cool about Moses. Moses actually had lived in the Egyptian palace. He was the perfect person for this job. And so then God sends 10 miraculous plagues against the Egyptian to break their hold on the Israelites. So they're willing to let them go. And then the Israelites, as they're leaving, the Egyptians say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, we want our slaves back. And they chase them all the way to the Red Sea. They get pinned up against the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea so that they can go through. And then they get to the other side, and they say, we're hungry, and God provides manna from heaven. And then they say, oh, we're thirsty, and God provides water from a rock. And then while they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, God wasn't done. He made sure that their clothes wouldn't wear out. God took amazing care of his people. And you would think in the midst of everything that God had done for them, they would worship him and praise him and thank him. But you know what they did? They did what many of us would do. They whined and they griped and they complained like it was their job. They were really good at it. In fact, look at what they say to their leader Moses in Exodus 14, 11. They said this, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die. And if you go on and read, they actually say, we liked it better when we were slaves. Thanks a lot. Instead of saying thanks a lot to God, they say thank you very little, right? They're just complaining about their circumstances. But if you, go, if you flip two chapters later to Exodus 16, look at Moses' response back to them. He says, you're not, you're not grumbling against us, me and the other leaders. You are complaining against God, against the Lord. And even though Moses was their leader, he was wise enough to remember who had put him there. It was God. And he knew that the people were complaining to him about God. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. Take a time out. And I want you to think about the things in life that you tend to complain about. What are the things in life that are really easy for you to complain about? I have some boys in my house that complain about how much time we let them play video games. They complain about it a lot, right? Maybe some of you kids can relate to that. Some of us like to complain about money. There's never enough money to go around. I just wish I had more to get the things that I want. Maybe you're complaining about the fact that you're still single. Or maybe you're complaining that you wish you were still single, right? Maybe it's something about your house or where you live, your job, your school, your family situation. You complain about the weather. Or maybe, I've heard rumors of this on the news. I haven't experienced this yet. But I've heard that there's actually children that are complaining that it's summer break and they're bored out of their mind. I just, it seems to be sweeping across the nation, right? Maybe you're complaining about something, and no matter how legit it might seem, okay, no matter how justified you feel to complain about it, I want you to think about it in terms of what Moses says in Exodus 16. What if every time we complain about something, in God's eyes, what if it's like we're complaining not to him, but about him? instead of finding ways to thank him. Now, let me ask you this. Raise your hand. Does anybody in here like to be around a complainer? I didn't think so. Does anybody in here want to be known as a complainer? Okay. Does anyone in here, is anyone in here willing to admit that you are a complainer? Let's see those hands go up now. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, knock it off. That's right. Cut it out. Now, I, that doesn't work because my wife tells me to knock it off all the time, and I just keep complaining. So what are we going to do? How are we going to overcome complaining? What is the remedy? Now, while the Israelites were the worst when it came to complaining in the Old Testament, there's actually an Israelite in the New Testament who cracked the code 
on how to overcome complaining. His name is Paul. And if you don't know anything about Paul, this was Paul's job. His job was to hunt down, to arrest, persecute, and kill Christians. Now, that's a lot of us, right? His job was to come find us and kill us. He doesn't sound like a very nice guy, right? But one day while he was out hunting and arresting and persecuting Christians, he actually met Jesus and it changed his life forever to the point that he said, I'm going to follow Jesus and everywhere I go, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus all the time. In fact, check out this map. This is all the places that Paul traveled in his life to tell people about Jesus. He traveled to dozens of cities to tell thousands of people about how great Jesus is and how he had changed his life. But of all the places that Paul traveled, there was one city, one city that he wanted to go to more than any other city, and it was the greatest city in the world at that time. In fact, you could say that this city was the center of the world. It was the city of Rome. I think it's up there on the upper, upper left-hand corner, right? That's where he really wanted to go. He wanted to go there as a preacher so he could stand up and tell people about the goodness of God. Now, Paul actually eventually got to go to Rome. But here's the thing, kids, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down. He wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, but instead he went as a prisoner. He wanted to go to be able to preach to people, but instead he ended up showing up. And for two years, he was locked in a cell in captivity for 24 hours a day. Now, I want you to imagine that you were Paul. You've devoted your life to serving God you want to tell other people about how great he is, and here you are in a cell. What would you do? You know what I would be tempted to do? I'm, I wouldn't even be tempted to do it. I would just complain. God, why? why? I can't, I'm helping you. I'm doing this for you. Why me? Why here? Why now? This doesn't seem fair. And if anyone had the right to complain, it would be Paul, right? I mean, I wouldn't blame him at all. But here's what's amazing about Paul. Instead of whining and complaining, in spite of all of his circumstances, he chose to take a different approach. In fact, here's what's crazy. While he was locked in this prison in Rome, this city that he wanted to go to where he could preach, somehow he managed to get pen and paper, and he started writing letters to his Christian friends in all those different cities on the map. And he wrote to all these different churches that he had helped start. And one of the cities that he wrote to was the city of Philippi. And in our New Testament, if you go read it, we can actually read the letter that he wrote to those people. It's the, the letter or the book of Philippians in the New Testament. That's how he redeemed his time. And in Philippians 2.14, he writes these words that we should listen to when it comes to complaining. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Kids, if you're not taking notes for the sake of your parents, please jot that down. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Would everybody say that with me? Do without. Do everything. He doesn't say, hey, can you do me a favor and try to complain a little less? He, sa he doesn't say, hey, let's work on this. He says, you need to do everything without complaining and arguing. Now, that's a really high standard, isn't it? But where was he writing this from? He was writing it from Starbucks, right? Really comfortable, had his latte there. No. Was he writing it from his home office? No. He was writing it from a prison cell. And he's saying, we have to do everything without complaining and arguing. And what we're going to find is that he has cracked the code. He wants to share a secret with us about overcoming complaining. Now, I want to talk to a couple of different groups in the room. First of all, I want to talk to people that are here that are not following Jesus. I have great news for you. What Paul writes to these people doesn't apply to you. 
because you haven't surrendered to Jesus. So you get to go on throughout your life complaining all you want. So live it up, complain, complain, complain. But for those of us that have said, hey, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus has done what he said he's done. I believe that Jesus' way is best. Paul isn't suggesting these things to us. He's actually commanding us. And listen to what he says after saying, do everything without arguing and complaining. He says this, so that no one can criticize you. So that no one can criticize you. He's talking to other Christians. He's saying, hey, you need to not complain or argue so that the people that aren't Christians don't complain about you. That's counterproductive, right? When we, as followers of Jesus, when we complain and people complain about us, it makes Jesus look bad. And Jesus doesn't need our help looking bad, right? He wants us to talk about how great and how good he is. Now, there's a lot of very spiritual reasons why we shouldn't complain. Paul says so that other people don't complain about us. But what about the fact that it's just annoying or it's not helpful? Now, if you like science, I think you'll dig this. Science actually proves that complaining is counterproductive. In his book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, Dr. Travis Bradbury says that repeated complaining hardwires our brains to complain even more. So the more negative we are, the more negative our brain becomes, and the more ne the negative outlook we have in life. It's contagious. Not only that, it's poisonous. And I, can I just share a little secret with you? Don't tell my wife I said this. When I'm complaining, I don't even like me. I don't even like the way I feel. I don't like the way I sound. It's because I'm learning it's actually poisoning my brain. Everything's negative. It doesn't matter what is happening. And we get so used to living in a way where we say these little things to complain that it just poisons our life. Can I, can I let you in on a little secret that I learned this week? You know what I need to do more than anything? I need to not say anything. Because I can make passive-aggressive comments that make me laugh. It's like appropriate complaining, but it doesn't help anybody. Well, Paul goes on to explain it's really important that we don't complain, and here's why. Look at verse 14. He says, We are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. He says, As followers of Jesus, we shouldn't complain because we have an opportunity to let our lights shine brightly for all the people around us, especially people that don't know Jesus. But the more we complain, the less we shine. Now remember... Paul's plan was to go to Rome as a preacher, but he landed there as a prisoner. And even things weren't going according to plan. Look at what he says about his own circumstances. He says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering. Instead of complaining, instead of blaming God about how things weren't going the way he wanted, he was committed to thanking God and to celebrating. And he uses this really interesting illustration. He talks about pouring his life out like a liquid offering. Now, you're probably familiar with this, but in Jewish culture, what they would do is they would sacrifice an animal to God for their sins, and they would burn it, right? And the smoke and the sights, the sounds, the smells, all that stuff represented their act of worship and obedience to God. But with a liquid offering, a priest would take really expensive liquid, like wine or honey, and they would dump it onto the fire. Now, kids, I need your help here. What happens if I had a fire right here and I took liquid and I dumped it on there? What sound would it make? I need this loud. What sound would it make? Oh, you can do louder than that. What sound would it make? Right? And then what would, the, what would happen with the fire? This big puff of smoke would go up in the air, right? And what Paul is saying is that's the way I'm viewing my circumstances. I'm going to pour out my thanksgiving to God, even though I'm being raked over the coals because I want my response 
to rise up to God as an act of worship. That doesn't sound fun, does it? But Paul celebrated and he rejoiced in the midst of all of his trials. So what can you and I learn from Paul? How can we overcome complaining? Well, as it turns out, there's a, really, there's a few simple things that we can all do together. First of all, I want you to think about the thing that you complain about the most. And here's a question, or more of a statement. If you can change something about it, then do it. That thing that's driving you crazy, that thing that you complain about all the time, if there's something that you can change about it, if it's appropriate, even though it might be hard, you should do something about it. If you hate your job, guess what? You can update your resume. You can start looking. You can start interviewing, and you can find a new job. Now, that's going to take time. It's going to be challenging, but that's something that you can do. If you're on summer break and you're bored out of your mind, you can be creative and play games with your siblings. You can read a book, or you could, this sounds crazy. Kids, listen. You could go to your parents and say, hey, I'm bored. Can I help around the house? There's no telling what your parents might do. You might actually get some ice cream or something. I mean, can you imagine the power of, of changing your circumstances that way? They might think that they have the wrong kid in their house. I mean, it would be incredible. Here's a really bright idea. If you're dating someone that you don't like, why don't you do everybody a favor and break up with them, right? Save everybody the trouble and the drama now. Will that be easy or will that be fun? No, but would it be worth it? I'm going to say yes. If you're married to someone that you don't like, too bad. You said yes. You are on the hook for this thing until Jesus comes or one of you goes to see him, right? But you could probably do something to change the circumstances, right? Like you could pray for them and you could pray with them and you could reach out to your friends and say, hey, we're really struggling. Would you mind helping us? And then you could go to counseling and you could go to counseling together. And then after all that, you know what you could do? You could keep going to counseling together and you could pray with your friends and you could work on it. Does that mean it's going to get easy instantly? No. But if there's something that you can do about it, you should do something about it. But let's be honest, there's just some things in life that happen that are completely out of our control. And there's, there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. And this is Paul. Paul is in this situation. He's literally in a jail cell. And what did he do? Well, I think he would tell us this. If you can't change it, then you should change your perspective about it. Change the way you look at it. And I bet it would change the way you talk about it. So I want you to think of it like this. There are just some things in life that stink, right? Have you ever come up across something in life that just stinks? Kind of like a dirty diaper. Now, this is a fresh one from last service, okay? I'm going to hold it real careful here. And this is gross, right? There's stuff in here that is just, it's gross. It's nasty. And, and there's just things in life like this. And every once in a while, you get tossed a dirty diaper, and you're like, oh, everybody, you did good. The guy last service freaked out and cried, right? Thank you. You freak out. You're like, oh, it's a dirty diaper. Get it away from me. Now, he has an option of something he can do. He can pick it up and throw it away and save all of us and spare us the smell. Or he can just leave the room. But there's something he can do about the circumstance, right? And that's the option, that opportunity that we have. When life stinks, what are we going to do about it? So what stinks in your life? You know what I do when something stinks? I tell everyone that will listen about how awful it is, how rancid it is, and I just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. But is there something that I can do to change it? I bet you're like me. But sometimes life isn't like a dirty diaper. 
Sometimes life is a dirty diaper, and it just stinks. There's no escaping. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, it smells the same. You got a call from your doctor, and the report is not good, and you or a loved one are on limited time, and you're trying to figure out how to live with that. Maybe someone that you love walked out on you, and you feel lost, and you feel alone. You feel like there's something wrong with you, and you don't know what to do about it. You've had a loved one die, and you're heartbroken. You don't know how to go get to tomorrow. You've lost your job. You're interviewing, but you you haven't found a job yet, and the bills are are piling up. I mean, there's just things that are going to happen to us in life that stink, and we can't do anything about it. We are in it, and we're waiting for it to pass. Now, here's something that's really important for us to note about Paul. Paul was human, and I'm going to guess that even Paul had a dark season in that cell where he was tempted to complain or he complained. At least I hope he did. It makes me feel better when I think about it like that way. But somewhere along the way, Paul discovered the secret to overcoming challenges. He learned to celebrate through his sufferings instead of complaining about him. In fact, here's what's amazing about Paul. He was in a really stinky situation. In fact, he wasn't just in jail. You might not know this. He was chained to a Roman guard constantly. Now, if you don't know much about Roman guards... These are the guys that beat and whipped Jesus before they nailed him to a cross. They are not known for tickle fights and warm hugs, okay? They are not nice. I bet they didn't smell good. They weren't kind to Paul. But Paul saw his situation as fertilizer to help other people see that God is real and that there's a better way to live life. In fact, look at what he says in Philippians 1.12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what has happened to him? He's locked up and chained to a guard. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He's not complaining. He's changing his perspective. He's trying to find a way to make good of it. Look at what he says in verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul realized he was in a situation and it stunk physically, it stunk spiritually, it stunk emotionally, but he had a decision to make and he had an opportunity to share his faith in Jesus. And so when Paul realized that the air was smelling around him, he just kind of spritzed a little bit here and spritzed a little bit there. And every conversation he had with the next soldier that he was chained to, He just kept doing this, and apparently it caught on because he says the whole palace guard is aware of why I'm here. And can you think about what that meant to the Philippians as they received this letter from Paul thinking, well, if he can overcome it there, surely here today we can find a different and better way to live. In fact, I think that's what Paul would want every one of us to do with no matter what stinky situation we're in the middle of. Remember that analogy that he used about the liquid offering being poured out? Kind of gives it a different perspective, right? He wasn't just pouring his life out. He wanted the aroma that went up from the fire to be pleasing to God and to everyone around him. He wanted to change the aroma of the world around him. And look at what he says to the Philippians and what he would say to us. In verse 17, he says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Paul knew that leaders go first, and in this instance, he's saying, I want you to follow my example, and let's rejoice instead of complain. Now, I've got some great news for you. 
when you leave here today, you are going to get to practice this because guess what? You're going to have to interact with humanity and someone's going to start driving you crazy. You're going to go to lunch and the line's going to be long. Your kids might not have changed their temperament and attitude between here and then, right? Your spouse, maybe you're still in that same fight. And then you get to go to work tomorrow and deal with all the other people. Guys, we have incredible opportunities. We're going to come up against opportunities to complain, and we have a decision to make. Will I complain or will I celebrate? Will I make a stink or will I reach for the air freshener and find ways to change the air around me? I thought about giving everybody one of these little, you know, little tree fresheners, but you know what I thought? I thought, I'm going to buy this one that I like, and somebody's going to complain that they don't like the fragrance, and it'd just be self-defeating, right? So I want you, maybe you need to go buy one of these and hang it somewhere. And when you smell it, be reminded, we are called, I am called, as followers of Jesus, to change the world around us by pouring our life out as a liquid offering, to change the way the world around us smells, to change the way the people see us so that they change the way they see Jesus. Now, I have a confession to make this week. It was Wednesday, and I was at lunch, and uh, Danielle called me out to my face and said, I was complaining a lot, and she said, isn't your sermon on complaining this week? I was like, yeah, so? And I had to apologize to her. I had to apologize to Michael. I prayed. I asked God for help, but what I didn't realize was that the next day, I had a meeting scheduled in Louisville. I had two hours down to, to the meeting. Trip down went great, got to see some friends at this meeting, get on the road to come back. My goal was to get home in time to take my kids to the pool so my wife could go have coffee with a friend. I got to exit 34. It took me two hours to get to exit 34, coming home. And then it took me two more hours beyond that. And it, I was not happy. And I'm thinking, oh, God, you're helping me by not helping me, aren't you? You just want all the complaining to surface. And my wife would call, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. How are you? Or my friend would call, and I was just so tempted to complain. So we finally got through all the traffic mess. I got back on 65, and I'm thinking, oh, I might be able to take the kids to the pool. And then I had to go to the bathroom, and I, I stopped off to go to the bathroom. There were two bathrooms. One of them was being clean, and the other one was three people deep. And guys, I'm doing the dance. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you for the person in there that's taken all their beautiful time. Oh, you know, I'm like, yeah, because I knew I would have to tell you guys about this, Right. Everyday life. This is everyday life, right? This isn't necessarily moving mountains. This is just the everyday life struggles that we're going to come up against. And when I pulled into the neighborhood five hours later and the pool was closed and my wife was late, I was thinking, oh, Jerry, just don't, don't wreck it. Don't ruin it. My son opened the door to give me a hug and he was like, whoa, daddy, you look tired and stressed. Are you okay? And I realized I can complain with my lips. So I can also complain with my emotions, we are called to something better, something different. And what I'm learning more than anything this week is I might just need to keep my mouth shut and not say anything. That might be the best thing I can do, but there's actually another option. David knew this in the Psalms. He would use his frustrations to fuel his prayers. Look at what he writes in Psalm 142. He says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice up to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. I cry out to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. And what I'm learning from David's Psalms, he's not afraid to say, to tell God and to complain to God, but not to complain about God because he turns a corner at the end and says, you are my strength when I don't have strength. 
You make sense of all the things that don't make sense to me. Give me your strength so I'm not a complainer. So Paul knew this and David knew this. There's actually an even better example, and that's Jesus. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, one of his very best friends sold him out, and he told the police where Jesus would go to pray. And Jesus knew things in his life were getting ready to get really, really hard. He knew that he was going to be arrested and beaten and crucified. But in this garden, he prayed a very honest prayer. He didn't complain. He said, Father, life is getting ready to get really, really hard. If there's any way possible, will you please get me out of here? And then he said, but you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. And he prayed that prayer a second time. And he prayed that prayer a third time. And then when they came and arrested him, he didn't say anything. He was quiet. He didn't complain. He didn't lash out. So Paul gives us a good example, and David gives us a great example, but Jesus is the best example. Guys, this is what we're called to. We have people in our life that we want to reach, and our complaining isn't going to do it. I'm giving all of you permission to ask me how I'm doing with my complaining because I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want my kids to be complainers. I don't want us to be a church of complainers. We can do better. It's going to start with celebrating and pouring our life out as a liquid offering to God. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm so thankful for the example that we have in your, in your, in your scripture. The Israelites complained. I'm sure Paul probably complained. But in all of these things, Moses' words ring true. You're not complaining against me. You're complaining against the Lord. Father, forgive us. <laughs> Help us to repent. We live in a really great place where whatever it is that we're complaining about is probably a first world problem. Would you help us to change our perspective when life stinks? If there's something we can change, would you help us to change it? But if life stinks and we can't do anything about it, would you help us to reach for the air freshener, to change the aroma of the world around us and to pour our lives out the way Jesus did when he sacrificed his life for all of our sins and all of our griping and all of our complaining? Holy Spirit, would you change us to be the people that you want us to be? so that we can reach the others around us for you. We love you, and it's in your great name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, we're gonna worship together in just a moment, but if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, and maybe you're tired of being a complainer and you just feel like you're weighed down with all the sin and struggle in life, I wanna invite you, you can do it right now or after service, come find me. I'd love to chat with you about that. But not only did Jesus show us a better way to not complain, he showed us a better way to live. And I would love to talk with you about what it would look like to follow him. Would you stand as we worship together?